Welcome to the Next Level Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Parnell. The Next Level Leadership Podcast exists with you in mind. It exists to raise you to your next level of leadership. On this week's episode, we're continuing our incredible interview with internationally known keynote speaker and best-selling author, Damon West. Damon has an incredible life story that everyone can benefit from and an impactful message that is sure to leave you walking away better than you were before. So stick around for part two. You do not want to miss this. All right, let's cut to the chase. We're going to jump right into it. This is part two of an exciting episode with Damon West. Damon, I'm going to take a page from your from your most recent book, The Locker Room. You talked about overthinking gets in the way of overcoming. And you talked about how we have so many thoughts and thoughts can ultimately dictate feelings. Feelings can dictate actions and our actions can dictate our legacy. So we've got to act in order to change our legacy to be that coffee bean you talk about. Absolutely. I mean, so overthinking gets in the way of overcoming. It's this, man. There's two things I've learned about adversity in life. I learned that adversity is never as bad as I think it's going to be. And I'm always capable of way more than I think I am. Mm-hmm. How you think matters because how you think is going to determine how you act. How am I acting today? Am I holding back from doing something I know I'm, I need to be doing, but I'm just ah, a little hesitant to take the chance? Take risk, you know, take risk. I mean, when you, you know, you've got to put in the work. I tell people all the time about putting in the work. You're, you're talking about what, what has to happen in someone's life. You've got to be willing to get outside your comfort zone and grow, take action, but you have to be willing to put in the work. And let me tell you something, no one's going to do the work for you in your life. No one's going to, your hopes, your goals, your dreams, no one's doing that for you. No one's coming to wake you up. They're not coming to do it for you. You have to get up and do it on your own. But when you find out that you're capable of way more than you think you are, you become that change agent in your world and the world around you. Sure. Things change around. People gravitate towards people like that. So Damon, you just gave an example of a paradigm shift that you had while you were in prison, thanks to your bunkmate, Carlos. Can you speak to the impact that you're making across the nation right now? And specifically, I'm curious, I want to know, is there a specific story that comes to mind that stands out to you? How, how, how your story or message changed one person's life that just stands out to you right now? Man, so I get to go speak, Josh. I get to go speak at some of the biggest corporations in the world bring me in to do speaking for their companies. I, I get to go speak at some of the coolest sports franchises there are, college and pro alike. Um, the rooms I get to go into are amazing. But my favorite place to do any kind of presentation is inside of a prison. Now, when I go into a prison, it's, it, I get to live out this service work part of my life. I'm real big into servant leadership. And to me, that's kind of like living out my favorite gospel, which is Matthew 25, 36. When I was in prison, you visited me. Now, there's a lot of ways to visit someone in prison. Just writing a letter to someone is, a, is actually visiting someone in prison. But when I get to go into prison, man, I get an audience in front of me. I got 100% of those people in that room are locked in on me. Mm. They're listening to what I'm saying. You know why? Because they want what I've got. Yeah. They want what I've got. And, and, I, and I go in there and tell them, hey, if you want what I got, let me show you how to get it. Because I'm going to tell you how, to, it's not some secret. I want you to know this. And my book, The Change, it talks about that. It's a spiritual thing. A spiritual change has to happen in your life to have, have something like that go on. I didn't get here on my own. I'm, Damon West is not that good. I had a spiritual awakening inside of that prison. And God said, hey, look, this is, this is what you're capable of. Follow me. Get on my back, actually, and I'll carry you. Sure. So when I go into a prison and talk, there's always a man or woman that'll come up afterwards and it never fails. And look, they come up and they're, they're like, man, you've got an amazing life. And, and I do for a guy, I've been out of prison six and a half years, but in the stuff I've gotten to do in the last six and a half, I mean, I went back to school and got a master's in criminal justice. I'm a professor right down the road at the university of Houston, downtown, man, I teach a class called prisons in America at, at university of Houston, downtown. I'm, so these, 
inmates come up to me and they're like, man, you got this amazing story, but there's always going to be one in the room, man or woman, that's going to say, hey, of all the things you've been able to do, I want to know how you did that. And they point to my wedding ring. Mm. I want to know how you did that. How'd you find someone that would love you again after all the stuff you've done? And you know, that's what it's all about. I laid in that bunk when I was in prison and I thought to myself, there's no way I'm going to find someone that'll take me in with all the stuff that I've done in my life. And if they do, if I do find that person, because I could, their family won't take me into. Somebody's going to have a problem with me because of the choices that I've made in life. And you just have such a low, you have such a low outlook on yourself, a low self-worth, you know? But God is capable of anything, man. And I found that person and, and more importantly, that person's family took me in but the best stuff I get to indicate that I'm on the path or I'm right where God needs me to be is when I get a, I have got my, my addresses out there in my book. So when my book goes into a prison, the change agent goes into the prison. It's got my address. I wrote a letter to the inmates for the prison version, the paperback. It's got my address in there. So I get inmate mail all over America, man. And these men and women from all these different penitentiaries in America write me and tell me how that story, how my book, how my life and what I'm doing has affected them and how their coffee beans inside their prison too. Love that. Yeah. And when you hear someone talk about, I want to be a better person, not just not just for me, but because I want to be a better father, a better mother, a better husband, better better wife, that's real impact, you know? And that's in the, in the prison, man. Because I, there were so many people that ministered to me when I was in prison. There was a guy. Y'all have time for another prison story? Oh, come on. Absolutely. So when I was in prison, every Monday night, they had this thing called Renew, which you could go in and it was just fellowship. When you, you go to the chapel and you see you sing and, you know, just great. You get to fellowship with men and you're singing, you know, songs, you're praising the Lord. But there was a guy that was there every Monday night, man, this little guy named Joe Totoris. And Joe Totoris Man, this guy loved to be around the marginalized people. Really living out that Matthew 25, 36. When I, was in, when I was in prison, you visited me. He used to come to prison every Monday night. And so when I got out of prison, I found Joe. He lived in Beaumont. And I asked Joe he would mentor me. And so he said he would. So Joe told me his story one day. Because I asked him about it. I said, man, Joe, you always talk about servant leadership. I need to know about this servant leadership stuff. I want to know more. So he told me his story. He graduated from high school and. He graduated from Texas A&M in 1970, and he moves back to Beaumont, Texas, starts his family out, and his dream was to have a little sandwich shop because his, his dad had a little sandwich shop in a grocery store one time back in Beaumont. So in 1976, he starts this little sandwich shop in Beaumont, Texas. He's got four employees in one store. Well, today, Jason's Deli. I mean, Jason's wow. Deli's are everywhere, man. Wow. They're, they're all over. Yeah, Jason's Deli's got 12,000 employees. There's 300 stores. They're in 30-something states. But Jason's Deli started out with this one little store, and he started his little sandwich shop, and he said by the early 90s, Jason Deli was growing, man. They were, they were franchised now. They were in Arizona now. Money was coming in. He was making money, but he wasn't happy. And he always thought that the money was going to make him happy, man. He said, I didn't understand it. I wasn't, I wasn't happy. My employees weren't happy. My, everything was just kind of in chaos, but I have all this money. So March, of, March 2nd of 1995, he goes to this business symposium at Texas A&M, and the speaker that day is a guy named David Glass. Now, David Glass was the first CEO of Walmart. He's the guy that Sam Walton had handpicked to step in whenever he stepped down in the late 80s. And David Glass gave a presentation that day about servant leadership. And David Glass said that servant leadership is when you help other people reach their goals in life. You help raise other people up to a different station in life. And David Glass said, when we're helping other people reach their stations in life, that's when we're, we become the best versions of ourselves possible. We've got to always be looking for ways to help serve other people. That's what it's all about. Joe had it wrong. 
Joe realized, well, this is what's been missing. Because in Joe's mind, a servant was someone that does menial tasks. They sweep the floors. They carry the towel. And a leader watches servants work. That's what Joe thought. So Joe goes back to Beaumont. He changes the way Jason Deli does business. He gets better benefits, better wages. People kind of think he lost his mind because he's cost him so much money. But something happened to Jason's Deli that they've studied in business schools all over is that people don't leave Jason's Deli. They have a very low turnover at that, that place. I go to Jason's Deli's all over America. I mean, Joe passed away three years. My mentor and my buddy died from esophageal cancer. But I still love going to Jason's Deli. I love the food, but I like to patronize Joe's family restaurants. So I go in there and I'm always asking for, hey, who's the manager on duty here? And, and, and so they introduce me to the manager. I'm like, hey, who's your longest employee here? Who's been working in the longest? And the answers floor me, y'all. 18 years, 25 years, wow. 30 years. I met a guy that's been working at Jason's Deli for 40 years. That's incredible. 40 years at a sandwich shop, man, at a, a fast food place, man. But it's because of servant leadership. Mm-hmm. People love working for a company where servant leadership is one of the ideas, like Christian Brothers. You know, we were talking on the phone to sell this up. Servant leadership. When you have servant leadership, you're working with something. People want to be a part of that. Man. Sure. Right. And it, and it all started, if you go back just a moment, it all started with a paradigm shift you had and a decision. So you paired the thought with a decision and an action. So it just didn't stop at the thought. You followed it through with an action. And now you're affecting change all over the nation. By being a servant. By simply being a servant. By saying, I value you. You know, one thing, uh, you probably, I'm sure you, you probably know him. You might be familiar with him. John Maxwell. Love, love, love John Maxwell. And, and I was at a conference recently and he was speaking and he made this statement. He said, if I view you as broken, I'll try to fix you. If I view you as sick, I'll try to heal you. But if I view you as valuable, I'll try to serve you. And it's, and it's so key. How do we view the world around us? Do we view people around us as just broken, sick people? Or do we view people as valuable? That's, and it's our job to serve. That's so good too, man. And I love John Maxwell. I have a prayer that I pray every morning. When I got it, when I was in prison, I, I'm an addict, y'all. So being an addict, I have to have a program recovery. And, and I go to a 12-step program recovery. It's called AA. I don't speak for AA, but that's who I go to. I go to I go to meetings. I started going to meetings when I was in prison. And when I started going into these recovery meetings, I started getting the tools I needed to live my life by. And I learned how to pray when I was in prison in that program recovery. And I started saying this prayer and 2011, when I got into recovery, it's the same prayer I pray today. My circumstances in life have certainly changed a lot since I was in prison, but my intentions are still the same. I'm still the same person on the inside. And my prayer is a two-part prayer. I've asked God for two things in the morning. And this is going to go right to the point of what you're saying. I get on my knees and I ask God, I say, hey, God, put in front of me today what you need me to do today for you. And let me recognize that when I see it, because I don't want to miss that. Amen. Wow. That's it. That's it. That's the only thing I pray for y'all because I'm looking for ways to serve. I was on the way over here. I, I speak to a lot of different companies. One of them is a, is a nationwide fast food chain. I'm, no, I won't name it because I don't want the person to feel like I'm talking about them. But she wrote me. She said, hey, I, I met you at this symposium you did with our company. My husband, who's former incarcerated, we came up, you signed our books that day. He's having some issues and he, he, he's struggling right now. Can you give me some advice for him? My response Man, this, here's my cell phone number. Tell him to call me, you know? So, boom. Because I prayed for that. Yeah. I prayed. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> now, here's what I'm, here's the other side of that. I'm looking for ways to do that every day. So, people reach me on DM and stuff like that, and they're, they'll tell me they need or, or can I help you, and, and I look for ways to help and serve, but I'm afraid to not do that. I'm afraid to not show up because I'm afraid that God's going to say, hey, man, I got you out of that place to come out here and serve 
and you don't want to serve anymore, I'll go find somebody else to do it. Oh, no, man. Don't worry about finding somebody else. I got this. I got this, God. Damien, let me ask you, because what if there's somebody out there who uh, you may not be able to connect with for whatever reason? And so the question I'd ask is, what would you tell our listeners that are in a place in their life where they know they need to make a change, but they can't seem to get out of the old pattern, whether it be addiction, stress of uncertainty, and inevitable changes that they have to go through? Um, you know, what are you going to tell somebody if, if they can't connect with you directly? What, what advice would you give them? Yeah, so the first thing I would say is that the, the tools you need to do this, the power's inside you, like that coffee bean thing. The power, it starts with you. You've got to make this choice to start making some changes in your life. And if you're struggling with something out there, the first thing you need to, in my opinion, if I struggle, I struggle with my disease, disease of addiction. I struggle. The first thing I've got to do is surrender. And I've got to attach myself to my higher, my, I'm Christian, so my higher power is Christ, Right. But you've got to find something to attach yourself to. And if you're not a Christian, that's fine. But attach yourself to something. It's a big universe out there, y'all. And, and I'm telling you, you can't do this alone. No one is equipped to do this alone. And no one gets to where they are by themselves in life. We have divine intervention happens along the way. Mm. But you've got to be open to that. In my life, God has never just reached his hand down and, my, and put his hand on my head and said, hey, Damon, you're healed. No. Man, God put people in my life. And in my life, when I was younger, these people looked like my parents. They looked like coaches. They looked like teachers. They were people from my community that raised me, right? And then as I got older, they took on the forms of different people. One of them was a black Muslim man in Dallas County Jail named Mr. Jackson. And another one was a little Hispanic bank robber named Carlos. But here's the thing. I had to be receptive to those messengers because God's going to put these messengers that, that may not always look like you. They may not come from the same background as you, may not even believe the same things you believe in life. But if you're not receptive to the messengers he's sending, you're not going to get the message he's trying to send you or the, or the help he's sending your way. So you got to be receptive to all of God's messengers. And that means we have to be accepting of all people, no matter what they are in life, no matter what backgrounds they come from, race, gender, ethnicity, religion, sexual orientation. You've got to be accepting of all those people because that might be somebody that God has sent to help you Love or it. you to them. Everybody has their own unique perspective, right? Everyone has their own vision, their own story. And if that's the case, they have the ability to affect change within us and around us. And so uh, I, I love that. I love that, that you're talking about being, being open-minded to, to that, to being open-minded to people that we come in contact with. Damon, what are some practical steps that we can take to affect change around us? Practical steps to affect change around you is, first of all, like, all right, so if you want something different, you have to be willing to do something. If you want something you've never had before, you have to be willing to do something you've never done before. Right. So this is like, hey, I want to chase. These are my goals in life. So start putting a plan. Put a plan. How am I going to get to those goals? And start with little bitty actionable things, man. Start getting in a pattern of doing these little bitty steps each day to get to where you want to go and get perspective. Like when I get up in the morning, man, and my feet, I get up and and I'm like, you know what? If my feet don't hit the cold concrete floor of a prison cell, I'm having a pretty good day because sure. God has given me this thing called perspective. He gives everybody perspective in life of what a bad day really looks like. So I've got to get myself focused. And I would say above all that I do is getting in the, in the, in the, in the mode of being a servant leader, being of service to other people, because when I'm serving others, man, I'm not stuck in my problems. And then if I'm, another story, when I got out of prison, I got into recovery. I got a sponsor in my program recovery. And it was the first couple of months I was out. I didn't have any of this stuff going on in my life. And, and he said, hey, you know, you need to do some kind of service work project because you're going to go back to prison. 
And I, that got my attention. I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to go back to prison? And he said, well, because, you know, you're sitting here, you're, you're upset. You, no schools would let me come in. I had to have a cop or a judge go with me to any school. So no one's let me come to doctor school. This dream that I had of speaking to people is not even, it can't even happen. I'm an ex-con, right? He said, you feel sorry for yourself. You're mad. You've got resentments. You need to go volunteer. And I said, where can I go and volunteer, man? I'm an ex-con. No one's going to let me in. He said, that's not true. He said, he said you want to go volunteer. He said, go to a senior citizen's home. You know, senior citizen center. He said, go to the front desk and ask them for a list of people that don't get visits, people that have been forgotten about by their families. He said, you're kind of crime. They're not going to flinch. They're going to give you that list. And he said, just go start working that list every weekend, go in there and spend time with four or five different people that hadn't had a visitor in 10 years. And that'll change your worldview. And it did. I started spending my Saturdays in the senior citizen home, visiting people that hadn't had a visitor. And man, just to be able to be that in someone's life and listen to them and let them talk for 20 minutes or 30 minutes or an hour changed my worldview. So I, I tell people all the time, man, get outside yourself. Self is a bad place to be. In my program recovery, we have these four spiritual principles. And these four spiritual principles are at the core, at the foundation of every religion in the world. There's five major religions in the world, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, Islam, right? But these four spiritual principles keep popping up and appearing, and it's unselfish, honest, pure, and loving. Unselfish, honest, pure, and loving. What this has become in my life is a matrix to plug every decision into that I'm going to make. Because when I'm about to do something, I got to ask myself, Damon, is this unselfish? Is it honest? Is it pure? And is it loving? And if it's not, then I can't do it. Because on the other side of that, the opposite side of unselfish, honest, pure, and loving is selfish, self-seeking, self-want, self-desire, self-delusion. And self-delusion, man, that's that voice inside your head that lies to you. That's an ego that lies to you, man, that, that, that gives you permission to do the wrong thing. So I've got to avoid that. Um, part of what I do all the time, and I tell people, is to figure out what role you play in your problems. Because chances are good you're in there somewhere. And it's this, this axiom that whenever I'm disturbed, something's wrong with me. And mm-hmm. I got to figure out what role I play in that problem. And, and, and I'm not saying in every problem you play a role, but I, I would be guessing a lot of your problems, you're there somewhere. And it might just be that you allow that into your life, but that's the part you control. That's the part you can change. So find out what the role is in your problem. Like, for example, if you didn't like the opposing views of, say you're on one side of the political spectrum and you don't like the opposing side's view, but you're watching this thing on TV that calls itself news, but it's really just negative entertainment, right? Right. Just people screaming at each other, telling you to fear everybody around you. You keep watching that stuff and it keeps firing you up about the other side. That's the part you control. Turn that stuff off. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's the part you control. And that's why we're here where we are in this juncture in 2022. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I love hearing this and, and I love how you're adding value all, all, all around and you and you're determined, hey, it starts with the perspective. It starts with the paradigm shift and it starts with the decision, right? It, it begins there. And then if you come in with the heart of, hey, I'm here to serve, I'm here to add value, it aligns your actions to your beliefs. So I love that. So, uh, Damon, if our audience wants to follow you and just get to know more about you and even the book, feel free to talk about that. Uh, where, where can they go to just keep up with you and everything you've got going on? Yeah. So social media is a good place to find, you know, pretty much anybody these days, right? So Instagram and Twitter, it's the same hashtag at or the same uh, tagline at Damon West, seven, D-A-M-O-N-W-E-S-T, seven. And uh, LinkedIn is Damon, Damon Joseph West. And my website is 
www.damonwest.org. That's a good place to find me with everything going on. My books can be anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, anywhere books are sold. Um, but yeah, look, I'm always looking for ways to serve. Reach out to me. You know, if you've got, you've read one of my books, you just said it made you feel something, reach out to me. Those are the best messages I get all the time. Someone tell me how that book impacted their life. That, that is so awesome. Well, before we go, I do want to uh, say, and I, I know we mentioned it earlier, personal plug for the Coffee Bean book. So if you if you haven't read that book, I encourage you to go do that. It is a fantastic book. Even for people out there that say, hey, I'm not a reader, I promise you, you can read this book. It is fantastic. But I do want you to talk about the newest book you just released. Josh mentioned it a little while ago, The Locker Room. Tell our audience a little bit about that. And, and yeah, so The Locker Room is, is a... The, the whole premise for the book came up with a, a friend of mine named Stephen Mackey that I wrote the book with. And Stephen gets in touch. He's a, he's a character development coach and he deals with athletes, college, high school athletes. And he said, Damon, right now, he said, there's, there's a problem. We're not having coaches and players aren't talking to each other. There's not a lot of good conversation going on. And he said, right now, the locker room is broken. And the locker room, he meant is America. He said, America needs a locker room. And when he said that, that really resonated with me because I'm like, man, that's true. Because here's the fundamental truth about a locker room. Here's some things we can agree on a locker room that wins game. A team that wins games, they've got this place called a locker room. The miracle of the locker room. In a locker room of a team that wins games, the standard is the standard. No one is above the standard, you know? And in a locker room that wins in a team that wins games, in that locker room, your success is my success. The right. team is what matters, man. And in a locker room that wins games, you know, a mistake doesn't make you a mistake. And in a locker room that wins games, diversity is a strength that we build ourselves on, not something we run from. Our diversity is our strength, you know? And so we thought, hey, man, what if we could make a story, a parable, um, a sports story about this team that's struggling to deal with a serious issue that's going on, and they have to have the strength of the locker room to bring them back together. In that locker room, they have to go in that locker room, and they have to fall back on their core values because that's what we have. That's all we have. We have our core values. And if you don't know what your core values are, then you've got a problem right. because you need to know what your core values are. Any company, group, team, organization can relate to this book because you have these values, and if we, you get straight too far away from your values, you know, one of the values in the book is integrity. If you lose your integrity, you lost yourself along the way. You've got to maintain that integrity. But there were three questions that we wanted to ask ourselves in this book. If, if we're going to write a book and we're going to take this team on this journey and give people tools to live a better life by, three questions we have to answer. Where are we? Where do we want to be? And how do we get there? And those three questions are answered in that book for any group, team, organization that wants to become better. And having read the book, I'll let the audience know this book truly has the power to change the way that we communicate. And authentic vulnerability is the key. I don't, I don't know about those of you listening, but, but if I'm you right now, I'm going on Amazon, I'm looking up the locker room, and I'm looking up the coffee bean, and I'm getting both of them. Hey, you're the most important person you can invest in. If you won't do it, who else will? So invest in yourself through these books, and, and I promise you it's going to add value to you. Damon West, it was an absolute honor and a privilege to have you on the show today. Thank you so much for coming on. Guys, thanks a lot, man. The honor and privilege is mine, man. Thanks for making me, thanks for making me a priority today for y'all, man. Thank, Thank you. you. Wow, what an amazing interview. Each and every time I hear Damon speak, I always walk away better than I was before, and this was no different than the rest. His ability to have the perspective that he has after everything he's gone through is inspiring, it's encouraging, it's, it's motivating to those around us. And I, for one, am certainly grateful and thankful for who he is in my own life. 
Before we go, I want to leave you with some encouraging words from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Our position determines our perspective, and the position that I challenge each of you to take is that of a coffee bean in an effort to affect change in the environment around us. Thanks again for tuning in to an incredible episode of the Next Level Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Parnell, reminding you to keep leading well.